Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. Eric Thompson is one of my favourite actors. I've enjoyed most of Eric's work with Pack to the Rafters, Aftertaste and The Furnace being amongst my favourites. Thompson is one of Australia's most beloved actors, becoming a household name thanks to mega-popular shows like All Saints and Rafters. Thompson is currently on a promotional junket for his new New Zealand film, Coming Home in the Dark, so I thought this would be a great opportunity to invite him onto this podcast while he's in interview mode. In this episode, we take a deep dive into Eric's career and discuss everything from Pacific Drive to High Tide, All Saints, Pack to the Rafters and Back to the Rafters, and of course, Aftertaste, a TV series in which Eric gives one of his best performances ever. We wrap it all up by discussing a few of Eric's latest films, The Furnace, How to Please a Woman and Blueback, all of which were filmed in Western Australia, my home state. Of course, there is a small mention of Coming Home in the Dark, which you can find out more about over at cinemaaustralia.com.au. Anyway, enjoy. Eric Thompson, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. How's everything going at the moment? Uh, Where do we find you? Uh, Well, I'm currently at home in South Australia. Yeah, I've been, um, this is where I live and where I've been based for uh, quite a few years now. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, um, yeah, things have been going pretty well. I've managed to get to WA and make a couple of films earlier in the year and uh, just been to New Zealand for the opening of Coming Home in the Dark. And uh, I'm managing to jump around between um, border closures and all that, but um, that's getting more and more difficult. <laughs> you were telling me earlier that uh, that you just managed to get back to Australia from New Zealand after the premiere of your latest film. Yeah, well, I went uh, I went across for the premiere. Um, I, I didn't think I was going to even get in because they shut the border, but then they opened it up for, to New Zealand citizens, which I am. So I managed to get in just by the skin of my teeth. And then after the opening, I, I left on the, on Saturday, the 14th of August, uh, to come back to Australia. And uh, yeah, two days later, New Zealand was in lockdown. So just managed to make it home. Amazing. It shows the importance uh, of not becoming too complacent, doesn't it? I mean, it can, it can pop up at any time. Well, exactly. You know, I think uh, New Zealand hadn't had a case for about six months. So there, there was a, a living in South Australia, we have to, you know, mask up and QR code and all that kind of stuff. We're living like it's it's around. And so, but New Zealand were just um, blissfully enjoying their island lifestyle. And, and um, yeah, it was a little bit unnerving and, and everyone, but everyone was kind of expecting that it would happen at some point. And sure enough, it would happen a lot sooner than they than they thought. Yeah. Um, Matt Day uh, is a great Australian actor, someone who I admire a lot. Uh, He tweeted recently, um, finding it hard to laugh along with Hollywood stars flying in doing folksy Oz accents and Vegemite gags while most local actors can't even cross state borders. Uh, Does that kind of commentary resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah, look, it does. It does to a certain extent. It's it's, it's nothing new, though. I think, um, you know, I think uh, equality in this business is a really difficult one. Um, it's it's a it's a merit. It's, it's not necessarily a meritocracy. People who have the privileges they use them, and uh, you know, I probably would do the same thing if I was worth you know tens of millions of dollars and had access to a private jet and mm-hmm. private quarantine and was offered a job on the other side of the world. And I'd probably do the same thing myself. But um, yeah, look, it, it rubs the salt into the wound a little bit um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people really hurting at the moment, particularly in live theater. Yes, um, but we you know. As as happened earlier in the year when I did a film over in WA, I 
usually you'd fly in for for the job and then fly home and maybe fly back again when you know between scenes and, and shooting days but i had to be there for the whole month yes. um for about nine shooting days so suddenly that places a bit more pressure on us from a family perspective and from a um, logistical perspective so it's you know it's just it's kind of just the way things are at the moment i don't expect it to be like that you know forever but you never know certainly with wa you never know <laughs> yeah that's right i mean we, we've been doing so well here at the moment <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of fighting words coming out of mcgowan at the moment so yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if if you guys uh, broke away from the Federation at some time soon. West Australia. <laughs> West Australia. You know, that dingo fence is just going to get, uh, the, you know, the rabbit-proof fence right up the border for humans, I think. Well, uh, <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen too soon because uh, you've made a couple of Western Australian films here lately and, uh, and we'll talk about those uh, in a moment. But I want, yeah. to go, uh, I want to go back to the very beginning for you. Uh, you were born in Scotland and emigrated to New Zealand when you were seven, and then you moved to Australia in '95. What brought you to Australia? Um, I got cast in a what I like to refer to as a unique Australian tele- television drama called uh, Pacific Drive, which was a kind of odd hybrid show. It was made for daytime um, European markets and late night Australian markets. It was um, it was basically out of the back of Paradise Beach. It was set up on the Gold Coast, and it was pitched to, to me as Melrose Place on the Gold Coast, and it, it didn't quite, you know, live up to that um, to that kind of quality and cult following. Although I must say that we we, we were a hit amongst hospitality workers um, uh, because it was on about midnight, and it was a very strange show. But I got to meet a lot of good people, and and I one of the people that I met with, I, I worked with on that show was Joe Porter, who's gone on to produce. Rafters, All Saints, Always Greener. Now she's head of Sony. She was head of drama at Fremantle Media. So I worked with a lot of directors, worked with a lot of actors. So that's that's what brought me over. And so, you know, everything's got a silver lining. Wow. It was almost like it was meant to be. Well, you know, the, the job the job itself was um, was was pretty tough and, yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't great. But, you know, um, this is one of those, those jobs that I think you, you just get on with the work and the people around you, they they tend to continue to their careers tend to grow as well and as long as you maintain good relationships and good associations earlier in your career you, you just never know where people are going to go to so it's it's it, it pays not to be a dickhead yes um and just to do the work you know because yeah. um you know people people everyone everyone climbs the ladder in one way shape or form and quite a lot of people fall off the ladder as well yeah. just uh, to as the flip side of the coin. Yeah. Was that your first Australian acting gig or you had been here uh, previous to that, hadn't you? No, no, no. no, no. Was I, I was, I, I was um, cast out of Auckland and right. I, I came across to, um, yeah, to the Gold Coast. Uh, I was 27. I was single, uh, making a bit of money and living on the Gold Coast, having a, an absolute ball. I'm, I'm a surfer. So oh. I just, you know, when they asked me, do I want to go live on the Gold Coast for a couple of years? It was a I didn't really care what the show was like, although that that became you know less and less of a um, uh, I, I, yeah it, it did it did affect me in many ways because it was it was a lot of work, but I, I really I mean I, I enjoyed my time up there for sure. Yeah, so take us back to those early days of your acting career. Uh, what was the industry like at the time? Well, you know, it seems, uh, you know, in in comparison to how it is now, um, the way that people made, there was a lot more TV being made, lots, lots a lot more long running shows being yeah. made. So, so um, Pacific Drive, we made, you know, that was two years. They were, I think they made about, I don't know, 500 episodes, half hour episodes over those two years. 
making five half hours a week, working all the time. You'd be working 42 weeks a year. So you could really you could really save a bit of money. You could have a normalish kind of life. You'd have your weekends free. It was it was pretty normal. And, and then you had shows like All Saints and Blue, and Blue Healers and, mm. you know, the usual soaps, the home and aways, and, the, and, and then you, the water ratses and everything. There was just – and they were making 26 eps a year, 22 eps a year. So if you got onto a good series – you could be running, you could be working for eight months of the year solid for multiple years. So uh, in comparison to now, it's um, it was a real boom time and it was possible for actors to actually have a, a normal kind of career and build their profile, um, save a bit of money and have a have a relatively normal kind of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, yeah, in in you know, the, the rose-coloured spectacles of nostalgia was actually, yeah, it was a boom time for sure. Yes, yeah. Um, you must have been doing quite a bit of travel at the time as well because not only were you shooting in Australia, you had things going on in New Zealand and you also had a brief role in the American television series High Tight. <laughs> yeah, with Rick Springfield. Yeah. Um, and George yeah, Siegel we were... too, by the way. And George Siegel was in it. Yeah, but he, he never came to New Zealand. I think he, they shot all his stuff in, in oh, LA. Oh, right, um, right. But but um, but yeah, Rick Rick Springfield came out, and that was that was amazing to 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 meet him because I mean he was you know Jesse's girl. He was a a bit of a bit of an icon. Um, and yeah, the the Americans, um, the first kind of wave of Americans came to New Zealand in the in the nineties in the form of Sam Raimi and Rob Tappet mm. with Pacific Renaissance. They made Hercules, Zena, Sam obviously had done Evil Dead and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so I was involved in Hercules and Zena. Um, and but they wouldn't. They had kind of contracted local actors in Auckland. So Lucy Lawless became obviously became Zena. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a couple of other actors, Michael Hurst and Kevin Kevin Smith, um, who had kind of been welcomed into the fold. But generally speaking, New Zealand actors didn't get put on longer term contracts. So when I was offered work in Australia, I said, "Look, this is your opportunity to maybe contract me, and I'll stay in New Zealand and work for you guys." But they weren't interested in doing that. What they did end up doing is fly me back and forth across the Tasman when they when they needed me, and I I did that for a couple of years and did, did it you know did it or for a year probably did two or three more episodes. Did that of, suit you? Were, you? were you happy to do that? Oh, look, at the time it didn't bother me because I was you know I got to come home and make you know home to me then was New Zealand, um, and I got to come home and and make a bit of extra money and see my friends and. Um, just, I was, like I said before, you know, I was single and it was easy. I didn't have kids, obviously. So it was easy to just drop everything, jump on a plane, go and party with my friends in Auckland. It was, um, it was kind of like the heyday really in, in many ways that, um, I, 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 uh, I enjoyed that kind of lifestyle very much. Um, the, you know, the, the, the freedoms of, of my, um, my bachelor days, I suppose, in my early acting career, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, look, it, it suited me, and they were very different productions. But it was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, working working on the Herculeses and the Zenas was it was so camp. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I have very fond memories of watching those shows as kids. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from '99 to '03, you appeared in 177 episodes of All Saints. Um, yeah. Do you do you feel? Did you feel as though you were famous and and well known and well recognised prior to this show, prior to All Saints, or was it was 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 All Saints you know that real life changing kind of experience for you? Yeah, no, no I, I was I, I didn't have really have a profile a public profile anyway until I did All Saints, and All Saints was the you know highest rating show drama series on TV. It was Logie Award winning show. Um, it was on every single night, forty two weeks of the year. 
every sorry every single Tuesday night. Uh, so you just like TV was back then. It was it was a family event appointment where you'd all sit around one television and it was a family thing. So yeah, I, I really within six months of being on All Saints, um, yeah, I really felt that I'd got that recognizability in the street. And obviously after four years, I was, you know, winning Logie awards and being nominated and kind of going to that in, 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 in basically anywhere, anywhere I went in Australia, I was, um, I was recognized, which, um, you know, which just was an interesting experience that I, you know, I thought I would quite enjoy and I kind of did. And I don't, I don't mind it, but it's, um, it, it certainly doesn't fill up the soul, but it's just, uh, I call it an occupational hazard of having a successful career. <laughs> But a but a celebrity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you just mentioned there about you know sitting around watching these kind of shows as a family. Um, that, you know, my mum passed away oh, 10, 12 years ago, and and one of my fondest memories of of my mother was sitting around as a family watching these TV shows like All Saints, Water Rats, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do you miss that? Yep. Is is do you is that something that's absent from your life now? Because I feel like with our children, everyone's on a separate device, watching a separate screen. Yeah, it, certainly in drama it is. I mean, we, you know, you've got those, re, you know, we, we we as a family, we still find those moments. And it's the variety shows like The yes. Voice and stuff like that, which yeah. my kids are 14 and 10. So the, the, those kind of shows um, are what we used to do with drama. Um, uh, there aren't really those drama shows anymore that, that kind of do it. Um, so, yeah, look, I do miss that. I, and I think, I actually think wider Australia misses it, even if they don't realise it. I think it, it was a... It, was, it actually brought the family together because I, I know I love my Sunday nights just, you know, lying in front of the TV with my kids watching mm-hmm. The Voices. That's kind of, you know, um, basic as The Voice is. It's still, it's still entertaining and it's, um, and it's, uh, it's got relatively good values, you know, so we're, it, that's, that's important. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's uh, you, you know it's it's tolerable when you are sitting there with your family. Yeah. I mean, you could watch anything exactly. really. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during my research, uh, I was re- reminded of the film uh, Thirteen Gantry Road, which you appeared in alongside uh, both Rebecca Gibney and Michael Caton, who you later yeah. went on to work with in Pack to the Rafters. Did you three form a relationship during the shooting of Thirteen Gantry Road that continued into Rafters? Uh, not no, because I didn't. I didn't have any scenes with either Rebecca or, or um, Michael on that film. Um, and I'd actually I'd gone for the lead role in that, and I was down to meet myself and John Adam, who ended up getting the role. Mm. So I'd had a recall with um, Rebecca, and I was at the time I'd done nothing, and I was just, uh, you know, I had a recall in the, in the room with Rebecca Gibney, who was at the height of her career, um, which she seems to have maintained for the last thirty years anyway. Um, but certainly I, I was so nervous and I did a terrible audition with her and I don't even know, I, I think she remembers now, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I had to remind her, I said, you, you know, that I, I did that recall. She goes, yes, but she just hadn't, she hadn't mentioned it because it must've been that bad. Oh, um, but the irony was, you know, obviously a few years later, we were, we were sitting in a room together doing a chemistry test for, for, um, packed the rafters and, and now, you know, we're, we've been working together for quite a long time and, yeah. and are very good friends. So it's just, uh, the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> great in a way that, you know, you got to work together again in the future not so great for you at the time, but <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. When I had, I, we were on different paths at the yeah. time and, uh, yeah. you know, it was, um, a bit, you know, a bit of a learning curve. It's one of those, when I did that audition, I was really, really, really needing a job. Mm. It had been about six months and I was a bit broke and I really, really needed it. And I needed it too much. 
I don't think you can go into a, an audition needing it too much. I think yes. you've always got to have one foot out the door and not care uh, and, and, and go, have a bit, bit more, a bit of abandon with and a bit of risk taking with your tests because nothing puts um, directors off the neediness, I think. Yeah, and that's a great piece of advice for any young actors out there who might be listening to this as well. Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's something that uh, having been involved in, the, in working on the other side of the camera and producing television and stuff over the last few years, I've realised that, you know, it's not, you know, you, the fact that you've got an audition is enough of, a, of uh, uh, an example that you're actually good enough as an actor. You don't get a job not because you didn't, you know, you're not any good. It's just because you didn't fit into the world that is, is visioned, envisioned by the director and the producer. And so it's really out of your hands anyway. So you may as well go in and have as much fun as possible and just do your best you know, yeah. and, and, and then walk out of the room and just leave it. Just drop it. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Tell us about your producing work. You know how how different is that for you? Is it, it's it, you know is it uh, is it exciting for you to be doing that as well as acting? Uh, it's a double edged sword, really, because um, I think I really when I did eight hundred words uh, the show with you know set in New Zealand, um, I was associate producer, and suddenly if if you imagine all the producing of television happens behind a big curtain. Mm. I was existing in front of the curtain in terms of being the performer, but I was also managing to peek behind the scenes and behind the scenes. It's not like you'd imagine it. It's actually, there's a lot of egos, tensions, kind of um, a lot of creative people together, the logistics, finding out people's availabilities, um, having issues with scripting, whatever it, it, in many ways, it kind of sucks the magic out of being in front of the, the curtain mm. and just being the performer who gets the scripts and does the work. Um, so, you know, being an actor producer um, is, you know, you're, you're sometimes I feel like I, I, I live in the gray area between the two and I can't really be full. I've got to fully commit to being an actor when I'm in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, my allegiances, you know, actors and producers have a probably a, a, a they're kind of natural born rivals in some kind of funny way. We <laughs> need each other and we work well together, but also producers negotiate actors contracts and yes. producers can make or break an actor's career and producers can. So it's a it's it's a fine dance and a fine balance. And it's something that I'm I'm you know, I'm, I'm enjoying, but I find it, it, it presents challenges and certainly the jobs that I've been doing recently where I'm not involved in any way, shape or form other than learning my lines and getting in front and performing. I, I really, really enjoy those because I'm, you know, um, involved in, in, in aftertaste for the ABC. And that's, um, you know, that it just it's it's just it's just more work. And, and it's, a, it's a long process to get things to the screen, a very, very long process. Yeah. And um, having having patience and tenacity and kind of. Um, uh, uh yeah a, a lot of um diplomacy you know all those things that they they sap energy and they can sometimes uh yeah it, not not sour the, the process but the process isn't, isn't just pure fun like it can be if you're an actor yes yeah um it's great to hear that you want to stay in front of the camera acting because that's where we want to see you because you're so good at it um oh, i'm you. sure everyone is aware by now that the that uh, pack to the rafters is returning to australian screens in the form of an amazon prime 
continuation of the series. Did it take much yes. convincing for you to, to return to this character? Uh, no, not, well, it wasn't so much convincing. It was more like, I think we, the, the discussions had been ongoing for quite a long time about when we, if we could do it, but everyone was so busy doing other things that finally a, a, a gap opened up um, and we were all available and Amazon were involved by then suddenly. And that gave a big momentum, big push and momentum to the production. And um, when, when the coast was clear and everything looked good and we all kind of jumped on board and off we went, but um, you know, I, 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 some people might say, why do you want to go back and, and do that again? It, you know, it, it's, it feels like a new show. That's the, the main thing. And, catching up with a family that you knew so well and suddenly not seeing them for eight years then seeing them again there's a there's a real joy and interest in that and you know our audience um the public who uh you know they've, they've got to say they, they they love the characters and they love the show and they want to see more of it so i, I say let's let's do that and yeah. um who knows what who knows what will happen with it but I really enjoyed getting back and, and doing it. It's uh, it's it's got a different feel to it. It's it's obviously being shot in 2020, 2021. And yeah. um, the filmmaking and TV making have changed a lot of, mm. since we started shooting in, in Channel 7 Epping in uh, Sydney in 2008. It, the way that we shoot is very different and uh, a bit more sophisticated and a bit more, you know, streamlined and filmic. Yes, uh, I saw the trailer recently. I think it dropped. Uh, oh, it dropped on the weekend, actually. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It looks terrific. Did, did I can't remember off the top of my head. Did the show have much of a, an international following? Was it popular around the world? Yeah, look, it's it's got on. It plays on um, in the states. It plays on Hulu. It plays on um, various uh, streaming services all over the place. We I think we were quite big in I don't know Ireland, the UK. You can watch it. Again, it's it's not. It wasn't prime time um, in the UK. It, it was probably afternoon television, and but it's been around and it, it, it has a life. And a lot a lot of Americans really enjoy it. And I get a lot of feedback that um, a lot of Americans picked up on eight hundred words, which shows on Acorn over there, wow. um, and that, and now it's gone. Back back onto another show another streaming service yeah. called up i think right. um and then and now they after that they, they sort out rafters and there's a, there's quite a big audience in, in out there in the world that really love aussie drama yeah yeah um and and i think the thing with rafters is that as much as it was an australian show it kind of speaks the international language of family mm. and that's the response we've been getting so now you know back to the rafters is going uh starts on the 17th of september worldwide mm. 230 countries Amazing. um so it'll be interesting to see you know what happens um i don't have any you know expectations there but it's mm. um little old pack to the rafters is going globe <laughs> going global <laughs> <laughs> it's We're, going live. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, I want to ask you about East and West because Aftertaste is it's it's been one of my favourite series of the last few years. Where does Easton fit into your list of of the favourite characters that you've played? And I know that's a cliched question. I don't usually like asking it, but you do so well with this character. He's so <laughs> lively, and he's a bit of a prick, but he also has a humanity about him that's that's very appealing. Uh, so where does he fit in? <laughs> Um, oh look, I love I love it. You know, I really loved playing him because I've I've you know the characters that Dave Rafter and George Turner and those kind of affable, mildly you know complicated men, leading male, male characters that I've played on commercial television. They're 
they're kind of easy. And yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to use that word. It's hard work with the, you know, every day, day in, day out. But in terms of characterization, they're actually quite similar because they're quite close to me. Yeah. Um, and the material's kind of, you know, quite um, simple. Um, whereas this character is, it's just a case of just jumping in boots and all and going for broke. And he's so different to me and, and allows me just to, go to places that I haven't gone as an actor. So for me, it was a really good opportunity just to stretch my legs and yeah. to op open up and to just really relish it. And that's what I was doing. And, in the, and also hoping that people would enjoy that, yeah. but really to be perfectly honest, I was really doing it for myself and yeah. my own, um, my own sanity and trying to reinvent and re-energize my career after 31 years mm -hmm. of being in the business. Mm -hmm. um, if I'd gone into something a lot more, you know, what I've been doing for all this time, I, mm. I think I'd, I'd probably be just fall asleep with boredom. <laughs> Funnily, but ironically, you know, I, at the same time as I was doing East and West, I was also shooting or um, because of COVID, I, I went from East and West. Uh, I had two days between finishing Aftertaste and going and finishing um, Rafters. So wow, wow, I, right. one, one minute I'm standing in a forest at 1am in the morning uh, as East and West and then two days later, I'd, I had three days in a row standing with Rebecca Gibney as as Dave Rafter. And, uh, it was it was crazy, but um, fortunately, going Rafters is one of those things that I, I did so much of it. You just know the energy that you need to tap into, and it's just kind of there. Yeah. And yeah. Rebecca, and I, Rebecca, and I had a really great shorthand, so we just knew where we had to take it. And we did. Excellent. You say you're different to East and West. So does that mean you've never taken magic mushrooms and passed out in the <laughs> middle of a forest in at one o'clock in the morning? I'm not. I won't comment on that. <laughs> I won't comment on that. <laughs> certainly, certainly not, and not any time in the last maybe twenty years. Yeah. But, um, I, I must. I might have done a little bit of research in my in my twenties. Yeah, certainly. Um, I've got one <laughs> more question. I've got one more question about your career before we move on to your latest film. But um, uh, you've appeared in many great films. But as a West Australian myself, I want to ask you about working in WA. Uh, you've recently worked uh, with two friends of mine, uh, Roderick McKay on uh, the director of The Furnace and Tanya yep. Chambers, who produced How to Please a Woman. How do you find working in Western Australia? Oh, look, I, I, I was, uh, I, you know, I, I love, I love, I've loved, loved every minute of it, actually. I went across to do The Furnace, which was just the most amazing experience getting, we flew out to Mount Magnet and um, thank God, COVID hadn't happened. I can't even believe we did that because it was so easy. I flew to Perth, flew to Mount Magnet, hanging out in the desert um, with camels, dressing up, run, you know, riding horses, um, working with just really passionate, interesting people. And and I, I've I've learned I've really learned to love uh, WA as a state from a physical perspective. I love the 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 desert. I love the coastline. I spent a bit of time down in um, Margaret River when I was over doing How to Please a Woman. Um, Earlier this year, uh, I, I had a little cameo in in Blueback uh, oh, that we shot yes, down yes. down in Bremer Bay mm -hmm. as well. So that was earlier in the year in March, and I just think WA is fantastic, and and I still like that kind of. There's a real kind of pioneering feel to the film industry. I don't mean that to sound patronising because the the filmmakers over there are really good, yeah. but um, I think that there's still a a real passion and excitement. There's no one, no one's kind of feels like anyone's jaded yes when someone gets a film up over there it's it's a big deal and people love it and relish it and that's a really good energy to be around mm -hmm. you're exactly right uh, your cameo appearance in blueback did that come from you being in western australia at the time or, or did you actually get offered that role like, how did that come about 
Um, I got I got offered it because uh, uh, I'd never worked with Robert uh, Connolly, uh, and it wasn't a big role, but it, it was a, a big a kind of important role. And he wanted to cast he like he already had Eric Banner, he was a cast Rada Mitchell, so he didn't need any like one else. But he just wanted to make sure that, and he just thought I would be great in the role that he offered me. And to me, it was uh, three or four days work, but it meant eight days in Bremer Bay, which is, I've never been to there. And uh, it is just absolutely beautiful. So for me, it was just an opportunity to go and see a part of the world I've never been to and get to work with Robert Connolly, who I admire, Eric Banner, got to sit down and have dinner with Eric and have a bit of a catch up and a bit of a yarn. I mean, it's just really, really nice to be around people of that, at that level. Um, And so, no, I just, I just got offered it and I just took it uh, just for the experience more than anything else. Yeah. I don't think even if it was a one second role, I don't think anyone's going to turn down an opportunity (laughs) to work with Robert. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly it. Um, So uh, we don't usually talk about international cinema on this podcast, uh, but considering you're here, we might as well talk about your latest film uh, coming home in the dark, which I watched earlier today. And it's an incredibly tense thriller that's getting some serious buzz at the moment, actually. I've been talking to a few uh, critic friends of mine and uh, I can confirm everyone's, you know, really loving this film, even though there is an embargo on reviews at the moment. Uh, yep. what, what can you tell us about uh, about the plot without giving uh, too much away? Well, it's basically uh, the basic setup is a family, husband, wife, two kids, uh, they head out to a, um, they're on a very isolated walk in a beautiful part of New Zealand um, in the winter. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's remote. No one else is around. And they're enjo- really enjoying that isolation. And then they're sitting down to have a picnic. And these two drifters walk out of the bush uh, with ill intentions. Um, and very quickly, things turn quite uh, – they a couple of very, very shocking and uh, very surprising turns. And then uh, the family's abducted and off they go into the, on this journey to somewhere – during the night, so a lot of it's set at night, obviously, um, which is in the title. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a it's not a horror it's not a horror film. It's a it's a kind of dark psychological, pretty brutal in some places. Um, uh, yeah, psychological horror. It's it's the kind of it's got elements of Wolf Creek, but it's not as but it but it, it's surprising in that it, when you just think there's no reason for what's happening things start to develop and, and layers fall off it. And suddenly you, you're in another film before you know it. And, and I think it's a beautifully made film by um, James Ashcroft and beautifully written. And, and I, again, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the experience of making it because it was really hard work. I, it was again, one of those opportunities to just absolutely just surrender to this, the power of this film. And, and um, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, you should be. It's fantastic. Uh, and again, it's a much more dramatic role for you than what we're used to seeing you in. Is Does that play into the whole aftertaste thing? And is this something you want to continue to do? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, again, like I said, I, I've played a lot of characters which are very close to me and kind of, you know, on a day-to-day basis, quite straightforward. Um, but I, I've been doing this for such a long time that I need to do stuff that, that really challenges me and makes me feel like I'm creative and uh, passionate and energetic about the, the jobs that I turn up for on a day-to-day basis, and and coming home in the dark was was that, and also working with young independent filmmakers who who are just starting out and just have that real sense of excitement about their their work, and are really passionate storytellers and have all the I did it just it's really good energy for 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 me to be around, and yeah. um, you know with the with 
coming home in the dark, you know, having its world premiere at Sundance. Unfortunately, we couldn't go because it was mm. this year and it was all COVID-y, but um, that was such a buzz um, to be involved in that. And, um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully I'll get more opportunities like that. But right now it's just, it's just one, one foot after the other. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations <laughs> on that film. And, uh, Eric, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of your work. I, I watch everything that you're in, and, and I'm not just saying that I really do. Um, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to join the Cinema Australia podcast. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.